Hey guys, and welcome to the ninth underrated mini-sode. I'm your host, Gabriel Green, and James was not able to join me this week, so I brought on Chad Hopkins of the Cinescope podcast to help me talk about Beauty and the Beast. What's up, man? Nothing much. How are things going with you? They're going pretty well. Really, really, really pumped to talk about this movie. I am too. I actually just saw it earlier today, and so it's pretty fresh. Nice. I got to see it last night. Um, so uh, before we move on, I'll let you uh, just introduce yourself. You were on a couple episodes back to talk about uh, the Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. But if they, if anyone hasn't listened to that episode, uh, you want to let them know who you are? Okay. As you said, my name is Chad Hopkins, and I host the Cinescope podcast, which is a show all about celebrating the movies we love and why we love them. And that's basically it. It's a fun show. We are on episode 34 coming out next week. And it's it's still a lot of fun to do. And I'm enjoying talking about movies every week. And glad to be back on Underrated to talk with you about this one. Glad to have you on. All right. So as we said, we are talking about the uh, live action Beauty and the Beast remake that came out yesterday or last night. And so let's, let's just jump right into it. Uh, Beauty and the Beast was directed by Bill Condon. Uh, it stars Emma Watson, Dan Stevens, Luke Evans, Kevin Kline, Josh Gad, Ewan McGregor, Stanley Tucci, Audra McDonald, Ian McKellen, and Emma Thompson. And the music was once again composed by Alan Menken. I actually, I, I like the work. I really like the work he did here. I like how they switched up some of the songs and uh, kind of made it a bit, fr- bit fresher. Yeah. I'm I'm really familiar with the music of Beauty and the Beast, especially when I was in high school. We did a production of it my junior year, I think. Yeah, junior year, and uh, so those songs are like drilled into my head, um, and so there were moments when I was trying to like sing along in my head, and then he changed the lyrics here and there. So th- there were some lyrics that were different, and of course, there's some new songs as well, and. Um, if they were going to do this movie, I don't think it would have been possible at all if Alan Menken had not been open to returning and adapting his music for a different style of film. And I think it largely worked very well. Yeah, I'm also fairly familiar with the, the music. And so just and it, it's so easy, like especially with musicals, you know, you know, every single right. note. And I like kind of that that uh, aspect where I didn't expect everything it was fresh still. I'm just going to let you go first to the guest. What did you think of this remake? Overall, I, I liked it a lot. I was sort of trepidatious, I guess you could say. I I avoided a lot of the promo material for it. I didn't watch many trailers unless it was playing in front of another movie I was seeing. I didn't seek out trailers, and I didn't seek out the music ahead of time either. I heard very little of anything going into this movie because I knew I would see it, so why potentially ruin anything? Um, so I, I, I did enjoy it. I was glad that I held off on everything, and I thought that on the whole, things were very well done. Yeah, and I I pretty much love this movie. Um, I've been completely in love with what they're doing recently with all the live action remakes. I've either liked or loved them all, uh, with the with the exception of Maleficent and the Alice in Wonderland films, which we don't talk about. But <laughs> yeah, especially Cinderella, and I think the the way they take these very classic princess stories. And tell them, just tell them in a way that ke- that keeps the entire essence, but expands it and fill and just enriches it by filling out characters here and there, motivations, subplots. I mean, personally, I, I did not grow up with Beauty and the Beast. I actually only saw it um, about two months ago for the first time. 
Wow. Which, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I listened to the music a lot growing up. I just I never got a chance to see the film. And I liked it. I guess I was a little disappointed just because of the, um, I guess, all the hype surrounding it. And what I love about this film is I think it it filled out every, every area that I wish could have been expanded in the original was uh, was uh, filled out in the remake. So that's why I really love it. Um, what did you think about the just the added scenes, the added subplots and all that? Do you think they worked? I think a lot of them did work. I appreciated that they were at least attempting to not just shot for shot remake the original. I liked that, like the expanded prologue where you get a little bit of the behind the scenes of the Beast's character. And so they expand that. And then you have the the added character responsibility that the cursed objects have. They, they, they were cursed as well because they were partially responsible for not turning him away from growing into the person he became thanks to his father. Right. And then you have the, the Belle's connection with her father expanded a little bit more in this movie and explained a little bit more and their closeness really sort of solidified because you find out what happened to her mother. So th- mm-hmm. those those expansions specifically hit chords with me. Um, there were others that maybe didn't work as well. I can't really think of any examples off the top of my head, but I appreciated that they tried to add new things to the film, whether they all worked or not. I thought most of them did. So, mm-hmm. all right. So let's just start off uh, moving through. What were some things you really liked about this this uh, newer version? Well, again, the music is something that I always focus on, and Alan Menken is just one of the greats, especially when it comes to Disney composition. Um, I love that the the orchestration was like a fuller, more lush version of what you heard in the original film. Um, I, I I can't really explain the difference, but it definitely it sounds bigger and. Mm-hmm. because this is not an animated film it it is bigger in a lot of ways and i thought the new songs were actually pretty good evermore was probably my favorite the one that yeah. beast sings as uh bell returns back to help her father and then days in the sun is good as well and uh that was my my main takeaway was that the music was really good and all the singers are pretty good too there was some controversy going in i think that emma watson was a little over auto-tuned and i could tell she was maybe a little bit auto-tuned but it didn't bother me in any way so i was fine with it Mm -hmm. yeah that was that was an aspect where i mean the original music is iconic and right with a problem you do you often run into with with the live action musicals is that often these are actors they're not trained singers and I you you can tell, but I think they all put in solid work. And what I liked how just Bill Condon staged the set pieces around the musicals. That even when maybe the voices failed just a little bit, everything that was going on was just so just uh, it was so just enjoyable, and it just caught you up in the whole spirit of everything. That I didn't mind if it wasn't as good as the trained singers they had for the for the uh, animated film. Yeah, I think, you know, like looking back at Les Miserables, this is very different than Les Miserables, but one of Les Les Miserables' strengths is that every person that they hired for that musical was like a highly qualified dramatic actor. Whether they were the best singers or not, up for debate. Well, maybe even not up for debate in some cases. (laughs) (laughs) But here, it's sort of the same thing. I think everybody here was a very capable dramatic actor and so was able to bring the dramatic side of things to their roles. And 
you know, aside from maybe one or two small, small, small things in the singing, I thought everybody was great, especially uh, Luke Evans as Gaston and Dan mm-hmm. Stevens as the Beast. I thought they were fantastic singers, both of them. Yeah, and I believe this is from what I heard. This is Dan Stevens' first time ever singing for anything professionally. Oh, that's crazy. You, you, that, that, that's crazy. You always hear like uh, Tom Cruise sang for the first time for that Rock of Ages movie he did a few years ago, and he turned out to be a pretty good singer. It, it makes me wonder how many of these big time actors that we, we see in our movies all the time have the, the abilities to star in a musical like this. Mm-hmm. And then you see Russell Crowe. So- <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess just the main thing I loved about this movie is, as I said, with the animated film, I just didn't I didn't buy the romance. Everything else is it's a lovely movie, but I thought it was just kind of rushed through, and that's the, kind of the core of this film. And so, to have this story retold in a way that expanded on the uh, the characters and moments, uh, mainly just mainly just the the characters of Belle and the Beast, we just spend that time with her in the village and, and just lovely little moments with her father that we didn't see. And I like how. Uh, Maurice is not just a kind of a, a bumbling goofball. Kevin Klein is wonderful in he this is. movie as her father. He gets so many little lovely quiet moments. And I, I'm just going to call spoilers. I mean, I if you, you're probably familiar with the Beauty and the Beast story, but there there are some small changes for the live action film that I do want to discuss. Um, I love how the, the, they gave him a moment to go to like stand up to Gaston and to protect his daughter. Like just little bits like that. There are so many scenes throughout that I thought went a long way to making these characters feel like real people. And as far as the romance itself, I I really I I in this version I bought that they would fall in love with each other, especially with uh, Belle's character because we see in the Belle song where she's going through and how just how different she is in personality and perspective from the rest of the town. And just basically how they're really, she really has no kindred spirit. So to find this other person who who's also more intellectual and more interested in the things she likes. And also he gives her the gift of the library. As we saw, like it, I liked how they had, instead of a bookshop, it was she was going to the village priest. Because why would there be a bookshop in a village where no one read? But, right. And then, so we see that she's kind of starving for knowledge. But there's only these so few books she can re- keep rereading. And so the, the the gift of the library, you saw how how much it impacted her, and and just so we see why she would even consider staying with this person because he's actually someone who who she likes as a person, and not just because she would be forced into it for convenience reasons as it would have been if she had married anyone else in the uh, in the village, and I, I really love that aspect. Yeah, the library change in particular was something that I noticed and really appreciated the fact that it was such an upgrade for what from what she was used to. She is used to this priest who has, what, maybe eight, ten books total in his collection. So, of course, she's read them all multiple times. And then she comes to the castle and she finds his library and it has thousands of books. So, it, you're right. It, it brings it up to a whole new level of appreciation because it's something so atypical from what she's used to. And, you know, in... The problem with the original film, if there is a problem with the original film, is that it stuck with the the Disney 90 minutes formula. And mm-hmm. all, all of Disney animation's movies, at least in the, the renaissance of the 90s, were 90 minutes long because, I mean, 
they didn't need to be a whole lot longer in most cases. And this one sort of escapes that, that, uh, restriction escapes that restriction and gives you a little bit more meat. And so you have more than just one song of relationship building, which was something there in the animated film. And that song's here and you get the same, the same relationship building in there, but you also have the stuff before and after that helps to expand that and make it more believable. Like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And also the same with the beast, the, the song he got ever more, which is an added song. I, I thought, yeah, same as it was a really fantastic performance. And I like how you, the, the song just kind of shows the change he has gone through as a person. She, she has changed him. And he's talking about how, whether she comes back or not, he is a different person and he will live on with her influence in his life and all of that. And just the added characterization there. Um, were there any other characters that you really enjoyed in this film? Well, like I said, when I did the musical in high school, um, I was Gaston, which was really cool for me. It's very different from uh-huh. who I am. And uh, I-, I was very keen to see how Luke Evans was going to be in the role. And I mean, from all the stuff I did see beforehand, he was going to be fantastic. There was no doubt. He-, he-, he really fits the role of Gaston so, so well. And it turns mm-hmm. out Luke Evans is a wonderful singer. He has a great voice, huge yeah. range, and he is able to really, truly show it off because he's Gaston and he's a show off in this film. And uh, so I, I liked how bravado he is. I liked it was funny thinking back to my experience as a character. I was thinking about sort of the mindset Luke Evans was in when he was playing the role and the mindset I had to be in and uh, identifying with him in that way. But still, man, guess on your despicable person. And I, <laughs> I just love to hate you. Um, and I thought, I mean, his demise was great. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've seen the animated film, but I think that I like the the way he died in this one a little bit more. Um, both ways he dies plummeting to his death, but I think this way was a little bit more hands-off on in in terms of the beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I appreciated everything about Gaston. Yeah. I, I, I found it. I, I really, really love Luke Evans, especially like in the Hobbit films. I think he's, I hope he continues to get more and bigger roles. And it was interesting because he's he's like a bit of a psychopath in this film. He you is. See, like, he's like he's the returned soldier who who kind of who who brought the war back with him, and he's always trying for the next conquest, the next. And he just you see he's actually also very good at manipulating people around him, and I I, I loved how he played that, and is you know the obviously the 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 classic theme of you know. He's the he hides the his savagery under a guise of civilization kind of thing, and I thought just how they expanded and were just the little scene where he's like like trying to you know prove himself to Belle's father, and then how that turns out <laughs> a very dark way. I, I enjoy those expansions as well. Um, were there any added scenes that you liked or maybe that didn't like or that, that stood out to you in particular? I mentioned a couple earlier. I. I liked the I liked the scene where they traveled to Paris and they were able to see the place where her mother died because she mm-hmm. didn't know she didn't know what happened to her mother. She just knew that they had to leave her behind for some reason. And so they they go to Paris via the the enchanted magical book, which I thought was interesting and mm-hmm. uh, 
she is able to see something that she's always seen in a picture, the little sort of rose rattle or whatever it is. And the beast finds the mask that explains, oh, she contracted the plague and so you had to leave so that you didn't suffer the same fate. And like I said, I, I like that the the knowledge of what happened to her mother and the pain that her father had to go through in order to to find the strength to separate themselves from that in order to protect Belle. I mm-hmm. thought that was, again, a, a great way to strengthen their relationship and really show the bond that they had. Yeah, I, I like that scene as well. It, it, I thought just the the added um, thing of the book as a kind of a taunt to uh, the beast where you can escape any time, but wherever you go, your monstrous self comes with you kind of thing. Uh-huh. And I, it, I like the moment where this is kind of the adventure Bell's always wanted to go on, but is the idea that, that like nothing is as good as you imagined or remembered kind of you go back to these places and you're from your childhood and it's, it's never as beautiful as you remembered and kind of, she learns the beauty of home and uh, through that. And, and I, I like, I like the, 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 the way the enchantress was handled in this film. I like that we get to see that little bit in the beginning and then how she's kind of watching over the whole thing. And in the end, as the last petal is falling, she just, walks right through the battle like she like she would have come either way whether it was a battle or not just to she's coming back to collect her rose and that's when she sees the uh that he has been changed that he has found a person to love him and then she chooses to uh t- change him back and heal him which uh which i think fixes a little issue of why would this the spell to change him back to a human heal his uh wounds in the original i think it uh, kind of fixed that issue yeah, well, in the original film, you also just had, okay, the, the the rose ended, the last petal fell, so why is he becoming a human again? You lost. That that was that was a deal, and you failed to meet it. So in this film, having the Enchantress show up and actually see the change and to instigate the change back into a human herself, herself made it a little bit more believable to me. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about some of like, the supporting cast? I, I wish they had been used more. I think that Ewan McGregor was used plenty and I think he was fine. Um, but like Ian McKellen wasn't, he didn't speak very much at all. And I, that, that sort of bummed me out because Ian McKellen has such a unique voice about him mm-hmm. and he could have been a really stellar Cogsworth. And what we got from him was great. Um, these little short one-liners in, in relation to uh, things that were happening before, things that he, he tries to claim for himself, like at the end of uh, the song something there he walks away after everybody has sung this over and over and over again he says you know what i think there's something there that wasn't there before and uh, <laughs> like like it was a brand new idea and so stuff like that worked really really well but i just wish that we had a little bit more of ian mckellen's voice specifically and there were a few others who i thought could have spoken a little bit more but the spotlight really did go to lumiere like with you and mcgregor like there is no one that could ever top what jerry orbach does in uh in the original. I mean, right. That character is a pure delight, but I think Ewan McGregor did his own thing and, and he was lively and entertaining enough. And so I think he, he definitely holds his own. And the same with that Emma Thompson. There's no way you can beat Angela Lansbury, but I thought right. she also brought her own uh, warmth and charm to Mrs. Potts. And I, I do agree about Ian McKellen. I wish, I think he was a little underused, especially for someone with as rich a voice as he has. Right. I mean, I, I loved all the supporting cast, but let's talk about how wonderfully designed they all are. I think that the character design for all the quote unquote inanimate objects 
was beautiful. I think the 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 intricacy of the candelabra for Lumiere and the the clock for Cogsworth, uh, beautiful, beautiful uh, architecture in mm-hmm. those designs. And then you have like the harpsichord, and you have um, plumette, and you have the wardrobe, and all all, the, all those characters who. Um, I think they did a good job of adapting or personifying, I guess would be the correct word, uh, giving human characteristics without being too over the top one way or the other. Yeah, they were. And and just the entire set design and production design for this entire film is stunning. I mean, they built a lot of these are all real sets. And you can look at this behind the scenes, just like the ballroom that was all built. The whole Most of the town was built. And and just the cinematography, how it shot. It's just, it's a gorgeous looking film from beginning to end. Um, it's just lovely. I agree. Um, not a whole lot to add to that. It's, it's just, <laughs> it is it is a beautiful film. I, I enjoyed looking at it more than just watching it. Um, did you have any other positives? It, this is sort of a semi-disappointment too, which I'll get to in a minute. But I liked the sort of integration that they use from the stage musical those concepts of building the relationship with her father is borrowed from the stage musical giving the beast a song of his own is borrowed from the stage musical stuff like that which i i really really enjoyed i i like because a stage musical is going to be longer than a 90 minute movie as well so for mm-hmm. the stage musical they had to add just like they had to add for this film and so the borrowed elements from the stage musical that i was familiar with i i really did enjoy um but like I said, that does lead to some disappointments as well. So, one of the thing I, I keep hearing online is just the, especially a lot of the reviews is, "Did this need a remake?" What, what did you think about that? Does it need a remake? Well, no. But neither did Cinderella. Neither did Jungle Book. None of these needed a remake. But I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Uh, I, I was listening to another podcast the other day. It's not a movie review podcast, but the host had just seen Aladdin on West End, so over in London. And it made him think about how, you know, who cares if they remake these movies for live action or readapt them for some other media like the stage? Who cares? It doesn't take away from the original. It doesn't change the original in any way. And you can approach the the new version in any way you want. You can look at it as entirely separate. You can look at it as supplemental. You can look at it any way you want, but it's never going to change the original. The 1991 Beauty and the Beast film, that was nominated for a best picture Academy award that still exists. And you can go back and watch it anytime you want. And now this one exists and whether that matters to you or not, it's there. And it, like I said, it doesn't change anything. So mm-hmm. it doesn't need a remake, but I think it's perfectly okay that it got one. Yeah. I guess I bring a slightly different perspective because I would say, yes, it did <laughs> because as charming as I think the original is, I, I, I didn't, it never just like swept me away in the, the beauty of the fairy tale and the love story and all that. And what Disney has done over and over again, I think with these remakes is they, I think, I mean, you can disagree with it, but I think they, I think this is a better film simply because I think the story is told in a way that convinced me of what was happening. All the characters are expanded. So I, I, I like that. And even if it was only just as good, these are fairy tales. This is mythology. I think the idea. I like that we could tell these stories again to every new generation, as they've been done, as it's been done for the last five hundred years or so. These stories are like they're part of our culture, and we we do tell them again. And then you, and also you know, each each uh, each generation changes and expands it and molds it to shape their ideals. And 
I think that's beautiful. And especially since we are actually given a good product, I love that we can just kind of step back into this world of this fairy tale of that teaches these morals and ideas. And there's no, there's no cynicism or anything. It's just this beautiful, charming fairy tale. And I think, I think we need these. And as the older ones age, I, I think newer ones can kind of just, they can just entrance us once again in these stories. I think it's really beautiful. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say this is better than the original, but it's also hard for me to be objective because I did grow up with the original films and I do have such a strong history with the the stage musical in particular. But just, I mean, Beauty and the Beast is a movie I still probably have on VHS somewhere because <laughs> I watched it as a kid. Mm-hmm. And it, it's hard for me to separate my experience from that movie and hard for me to see flaws in it just because it's something that I've always known. Like I, I get the things you are saying and I can understand how you could look at it now and, and not have the same experience as I did when I was five years old. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's sort of the point. But, um, I do think that there's very little to dislike about this movie. And as I said, it doesn't change the experience I had with that film growing up either. So, I mean, it's fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want to take away anyone's experiences with the original. Um, but, and so just, these are, these are obviously my opinions, but also I think it would also be unfair to you for someone who likes the original to come and say, because this is different then it's inferior. I think you can, I don't, I don't think you can hold one story as the gold standard. I think you kind of have to come at, come at it and see how did this execute the story it's telling. Right. Well, I mean, just real quick. I, I may have had my disappointments with this movie, but I think I would be even more disappointed. Like, I think I would be even more disappointed if it was a frame for frame reshoot of the original. Like, same runtime, same cinematography, same script, same everything. I would have been more disappointed if we had just gotten the animated film live action. Mm-hmm. I, I that that misses the point. With a book to film adaptation, you don't want the book on the screen. You want the world on the screen and you want the story on the screen, but you want them to take liberties here and there so that it's a separate product. And I, I appreciated that they were willing to take this movie, add some additional material, change one or two small things and overall just give you a truly reimagined version of the story we already know and love. All right. So, uh, so I guess there were, there were some things that disappointed you. You want to get into them? Sure. Um, and I, I do want to say disappointed because looking back and being as objective as I can, I can't really think of things that I truly disliked about the movie. Um, I mean, if there was maybe one thing I could poke a finger at, it would just be LeFou's silliness. But I, I think that Josh Gad fit the, the, the model of the character very well. Um, but mm-hmm. other than that, my my I, I guess my disappointments would come from expectations I did have despite not immersing myself in the promotional in the promotional material um like i i liked the integration of story elements from the stage musical but i wish that there had been songs from the stage musical so there's a song called Hum- well first off there's a song called human again which is actually a cut scene from the original animated film mm-hmm. and that 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 song was sort of replaced by the song um days in the sun it serves the same purpose where the, these characters are imagining their their time as humans and what they would do if they were human again and imagining more time spent outside as not inanimate objects right so there was that one and then there's the song in the stage musical called um 
uh, if I can't love her, I think is called. And it basically is replaced by evermore in this song. So you have songs that fit the same story purpose that were in the stage musical and you have those story elements transferred over, but there are songs that I, I really enjoyed and I was kind of hoping were make would make it into the final product. Mm-hmm. There was one, I think there's a song called home that bell sings when she first is entered into her room at the castle and though the song doesn't physically appear there is an instrumental version of the song from the stage musical played in that scene in its case in its stead so yeah yeah so that that's the the one exception and then there's maybe some small instrumental stuff that was integrated into the uh gaston song in the bar or in the tavern um like that that, that's not something to dislike about this movie I, i can't dislike it for not including something that it wasn't obligated to include in the first place. It it was just something that I was sort of hoping would make it. And one day I'll forgive it for not including those things and I'll enjoy it even more. So does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't, I haven't seen the stage musical. I would really like to, I've heard good things about it. So for me, I don't think Bill Condon is a very good action director. And I th- think uh-huh. the wolf scene and the final attack of the castle feel a bit too s- slapstick and kind of awkwardly paced and structured and so just things like that kind of took me out i kind of wish it could have been a bit more fluid and well integrated and i really wish there was about one more minute at the end uh to spend with bell and the prince i mean they, 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 their chemistry was so good together when he was a beast but now he looks and sounds different i kind of wish they could have had that little bit of time to kind of reassure us that yes, this is the same guy and they still love each other. And it just, it just felt a little weird ending so quickly her with a different guy that we've seen throughout the whole film. I kind of wish we could have just spent a bit more time with him together. Yeah. That's a, a similar complaint that I think many would share for the end of the animated film too, is he transforms and then he, he basically says, bell, it's me. And that's the end of the movie. You don't really get any additional dialogue from him. Um, they do a little bit better in this one. They take it a little bit farther in showing them post transformation, but you're right. It would, it would definitely have benefited if they had given him a few more lines of dialogue or uh, given them an additional scene together, maybe walking the West wing or something, just the two of them talking, enjoying each other's company with him as a human rather than as a beast like before. Yeah. And, uh, the only, the other, only other one was, uh, LeFou's characterization. It feels a little inconsistent. I like. I really liked what Josh Gad did, and there were so many moments that I thought he brought interesting aspects. Where he's like, you see him doubting where uh, Gaston is going, but I don't feel like that was ever fully resolved. It just kind of ends, and now oh, he's a good guy. But they, they, I think there should have been a moment where either he stays bad or he finally stands up to Gaston. And, but we never got that. It's kind of his. We got a bunch of hints of it, but never really went anywhere. Right, he sort of just cowards out at the fight at the castle and switches sides. Um, there was a little bit of build up to that, but it, you're right, it, it was a little bit sudden. Um, I have nothing against Josh Gad and the character. I think from from the very beginning when they first announced that Josh Gad was cast like two years ago or whatever it was, I said, nailed it. That is perfect <laughs> casting. Josh Gad is LeFou forever and always. Forever and always. And so I, I have no complaints with his performance in the film. My My complaints arise same as you from a little bit of his characterization just because he had a couple of weird moments that i'm not even talking about to the the whole non-traversy that's been going around the internet i'm just referring to small moments where 
he he says something or he does something that doesn't really follow through the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed his character as well, and I guess the only reason I'm bringing it up is because I thought the expansions on every other character they did was an improvement and and just enriched the film, and this was one that felt that just kind of shined in moments, but ultimately didn't pay off. All right, so are there any other things you wanted to mention? The only other thing is, again, not even, it's not something I can really complain about, but if there was one thing I took away that was a little bit disappointing is I was never at any point in this movie truly wowed. Like there were a couple of great cinematic sequences. Be Our Guest was great on the big screen. I thought that was beautiful, but there were never any moments where like my jaw dropped and I was wow, look at this thing that I've been watching since childhood, envisioned in a whole new light and just really eye-popping, mind-blowing cinema. And with a film like this, where you're taking something that comes from a world so colorful of uh, something that was animated originally, there are so many rich textures and backgrounds that you can borrow from and bring to the bring to the cinema in a live-action setting that I, I wish they had done. Like, it... it <laughs> It's, it's hard to say because, again, it's not something I can really complain about. The movie we got was fine. It was good. I enjoyed the movie. But there were I, I just wish there had been a moment or two where I'd been like, wow, that took my breath away. And even during the Beauty and the Beast song, I didn't really feel that. I thought it was fine. I liked the scene, but I, I wasn't wowed. Hmm. I guess I was the exact opposite. I was like pretty much blown away right with the uh, the bell overture then. Just throughout the entire film, I was had a, like a sappy little smile on my face with it as every musical number and all the stuff that was happening. I so I, I will say the the bell number is the one that that got me the closest to feeling like wow they brought this to life, mm-hmm. and I really appreciated that bell. That that was the one number at the beginning of the film that was just like wow this this is fun, but I I was not wowed by it. Weird, I know, but that, that's just something I sort of took note on as I left the theater. It was like, I, I, I liked that, but it didn't blow me away. So, All right, so you want to move in just to, into our final thoughts overall? Should people see the film? What did you think of it? Sure. So I, I liked this movie a lot, and I would like it a lot more if the animated film slash the musical didn't exist. Like I said, it, it's hard to be objective about this film just because the nostalgia of my experience with the original the original film and the original musical is just too strong. And even though I wasn't blown away by anything, I enjoyed my time in the theater and I'll, I'll probably go see it in the theater again. I, I liked it that much that I, I would be willing to spend the money to go watch it again before it comes out on home video. Uh, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand that. I was... It was- like I had a lot of issues like with the, uh, the Les Mis live action movie just because I was so – I love the uh, stage musical so much. So I, I definitely understand how it's, it's hard to overcome our nostalgia. And for me, I absolutely love this movie just because I, do, I don't have that connection to the original. And as I said, the differences I thought improved. And so for me, I think this is a, a case for why remakes are awesome. As with all of the other, uh, all the other uh, Disney live action films, I, I mean – if you love the, the the originals, I definitely understand why they are they are lovely little mo- they are lovely movies. Um, but for me, this was a chance to for for the first time to fully experience this fairy tale. I 
just adore this film. I love movies that can just drop any pretense of cynicism or self-awareness and just go all out in their fairy tale aspects and just allow you to just smile and be happy and think about a much simpler time while also giving us the characters and a consistent world and world building. So I'm not like constantly being annoyed by little nitpicks here and there. So I'm very happy with what Disney's doing. I hope they continue um, doing these. And if you love the original, you, I, you may not love this, but I would advise you to just go see it. it it's, it's, it's a beautiful story. And I think these stories should be told again for each new generation. Yeah, and that's something that I would say. I think that anybody who likes the original is going to like this movie just for those those scenes that are straight up from the animated film. I, I think that those are worth the price of admission. It's sort of the same same thing we got with, th- this is a totally polar opposite film, but The Killing Joke, right? The The part of The Killing Joke that was really, really good was the part that was adapted from the material. And so I think a lot of the people who loved the material for Beauty and the Beast, the original film, are going to love those sequences that are in this live action adaptation. Now, whether mm-hmm. you love the additional stuff or not, that's up to you. But I think that if you like the original, you're going to like this one, no matter what. Yeah, and I think there's just plenty to enjoy just from the the cinematography and set design and the, the cast. There's there's like there's nothing there's like nothing bad in this movie. It's all good no. stuff, whether you like whether you uh, prefer the animated or the uh, the uh, remake. I agree. Cool. So that was our review of uh, Beauty and the Beast. Um, I want to give you another chance, uh, Chad, to uh, to plug anything you might have online or that you want people to go check out. Okay. Well, like I said, I host the Cinescope podcast. You can find that at thecinescopepodcast.com. Just click on one of those episodes and you'll see a whole lot of contact info, including for the new anchor station that Cinescope has, uh, where every day I'm talking about movies for like 10 minutes a day. So if you want to go there, call in, join the discussion, you can do that. And if you just want to find me separate of movies or somewhat separate from movies on Twitter, <laughs> that is at Chadadada. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, I would advise you to go check out his podcast. I really enjoy it. Though I, I haven't you. listened to as many as I would like because I haven't seen a lot of the stuff you're doing. That's okay. I mean, it, it's it's always we, we talk about older films most of the time unless we do a bonus episode where we talk about a newer release or a video game or something like that. But it, it, it is geared around movies that you would enjoy. Um, sort of a, a, a side tagline for the show has always been everything we talk about, it comes with my highest recommendations. So even if you haven't seen the film, you can go and check out the film. I always provide iTunes links in the show notes so you can go check it out and then come back and listen. So Yeah, it's nice because you don't have to worry about them hating on something you love. <laughs> Right, right. All right, and uh, if you want to uh, find us online, you can like us on Facebook at Underrated Podcast. And if you want to find older episodes, you can find them at underratedpodcast.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at underrated underscore pod. And I would like to ask you if you enjoy the show to please go and rate and review us on iTunes. We would really appreciate it. And so uh, thanks again for coming on, Chad. I, I really enjoyed this discussion. Yes, thank you, Gabe, for having me back. I was glad to be on Underrated again and hope to... Uh, come back again in the future. Definitely. All right. So we hope you enjoyed our review of Beauty and the Beast and we will see you later. Bye.